Hey everyone and welcome to the Nasty Pots podcast. Before we start, if you would like to find out more about how you can build and grow your business, head to the episode notes where you can find a direct link that connects you straight to my WhatsApp. Send me a message and ask me anything related to strategy, sales, mindset and growing your business. I would love to hear from you. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this episode, be sure to pass it forward. Zoe, welcome. I am very excited to have you on the Nasty Pots podcast today. I know this is going to be a great conversation. And I always start off saying that, but it's always true because <laughs> like we were just saying then, I never script any of this. I, I love a genuine, rich conversation. And I like to just see where things go and then just trust it. Because when you get too scripty, it all gets a bit different. And it's always nice to just see where we can draw similarities and talk about stuff really comfortably in a space. So welcome. Introduce yourself and what you do. Do you know what? I think this is one of the hardest things to start with when people say, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, uh, where do I want to start? Uh, Zoe Poulton. Hi, everyone. Um, So I very much work within change management. I work with people who want to become change managers. So I do accredited training for them um, and I do some consulting as well. I have a few plans, which I'm sure we'll talk about during this podcast, but I generally work with people who want to, maybe they've been in HR for sort of seven or eight years and they think actually the change looks really interesting. I want to pivot a little bit, but what do I need to do? What qualifications? But what I'm really big on is making sure people not only get accreditation, but they get that practical application and that support. So a lot of the courses I've seen have just the theory element, but it's bringing that practical. And because I've done a lot of change management, I've been a practitioner for a long time, bringing all that to life for them, really. So they come out confident to go into a change management role. I mean, look, the fact you even said confidence there, we've spoken about practicalities and that's tangibles, pivoting. I'm thinking, which, you know, what was your background? There's loads there. So let's break it down. Well, let's start <laughs> off. How did you get into this? Where did you start out? Where did I start? So I was in the Royal Air Force for 16 years and I was a leadership instructor. So um, I used to work with a lot of the cadets going through training, um, which is a huge change for them anyway. But it was very much about that leadership um, and the practical application of leadership. So the number of times I found myself in the middle of a field at three o'clock in the morning in the hoofing rain, I have lost count, but it was that really, here's the theory and here's the practical application of how you do it yeah. in the rain. Um, so right towards the end of my career in the military, I did a really big change program and I went back to, it, there was a team of eight of us, went back to rewrite the officer training course mm. and I loved it. Change just kind of gripped me and hooked me and I went, oh, can I do this in the real world when I leave? Is there actually a job in change? Um, turns out there is. So then I left the military, went into PA consulting um, as a change manager, went across to EY as a manager in leadership, learning and change, and then decided to leave and go out on my own. Um, Took that sort of really big leap that we take as as entrepreneurs, came out, started doing some associate work um, as a a, a different leadership elements, working with women um, going to leadership positions. And then I became a, an accredited change management instructor through the APMG. So I currently instruct for APMG. But if I'm honest now, it was it was one of these things. I love it. But I can see where we could make it better yeah. and because it's very theory. It's a theory course. Okay. And what I'm finding from feedback and stuff is that people want that practical application. Much yeah. like when I was working in the military doing leadership training, the application, why don't we do it in change management or any other courses that I could probably think about? 
So that is how I got to where I am, creating that sort of program that offers the application support as well. There's interesting things coming through for me here in and I'm going to be a little bit challenging, but I, it, what I know is where we can talk through stuff, which is great. There's one part of me. <laughs> well, let's actually, let's, I'll reverse engineer it before I made my notes. So our relationship came through because you were curious about how I work, essentially came on like a sales call. And then we've stayed connected doing similar odd things, still going to different events and never quite meeting. Then we met one the other week officially, and it was kind of very much felt like we just clearly get on, well, you can hear it with us as well, and you'll definitely hear it as we continue to day that um how we bounce off one another uh, and mm-hmm. we've instantly had very good rapport is how I would say it and because I agree <laughs> place where we work solo on our own it can be quite lonely and it's like who'd you ever rant and rave at or who'd you talk through with this and things like that and I think our styles are very similar in driven results go and do it like if you've been mm-hmm. you know able to implement it go and make it happen and get results and that that kind of outlook which is great what I want to share around this part, though, is that this dawned on me this week when I was working my mindset coach that, one, we never know what our relationship could evolve to in time, whether I would work with you, you'd work with me, whether we'd work do something mm-hmm. together, you just never know. And I love that idea of the art of the possible. And I think people have often shutting stuff down all the time. Well, you know, they didn't sign up and that's that. And I've got this real <clears> big thing when I'm doing my programs on... I give everything to my clients, especially when you're starting out. And I think, again, people are like, no, I've given enough. And I'm like, no, give every freaking thing you have because that's a difference. And as you grow, you won't always be able to do that. And that's going to be the scaling thing, et cetera. But if you can give everything to everyone and make people genuinely feel valued, listened and heard, mm-hmm. and all of this, this is the stuff that we talk about in relationships. This is real business. This business is about relationships. When you can do that, that's where you grow unique relationships and you never know where it takes you it's it's just so profound the opportunities I've had the last year or so just by genuinely showing up with my values um having integrity in the way I work being honest when stuff doesn't work as well and transparent and and saying when actually I haven't been able to keep to my values as well if I haven't on some things and just being human stuff like um that happens like I said before I got on this podcast today um, I had somebody jump on and it said in my emails, they're jumping on for a sales call. And I was like, really? And it wasn't my planner and it were re- irrelevant almost if it's theirs or mine. I just jumped on and was like, I'm in the gym and I'm not ready for this. Let's pick it up in an hour. And they were fine with that. And that's important that we're just genuine in, in business, not trying to be anything we're not. So what I was just coming to know with my mindset coach is that often when we're doing sales and building businesses, and this is one of my biggest challenges for clients right now is they struggle to get leads, struggle to get clients. And I'm like, but not everything's a sale. Stop focusing on closing everyone down all the time and just serve them, ask what they want, give value, but also have the understanding that it's okay to say no and it's okay to say mm-hmm. this isn't right for you or it's not right for them. That will get you more. And I've had sales conversations. A couple of months ago, I had somebody who wanted to do one-to-one maybe. She was looking at a few different people. I spent a good hour with her really exploring things and it was still a no a couple of days after but she said but because of how I felt with you she goes like we're just not quite the right fit for what I need right now she goes but she goes I would highly recommend you for what you do because she goes you Mm -hmm. just gave me so much time you were genuine how it came across and this is this part in just you know really delivering for somebody and this is what the part the really important part though that I was working through with my mindset coach eventually getting there but she said about (laughs) 
if we always come with a place of, you know, like I'm, I don't particularly like going and getting new leads and all that boring stuff. Like, you know, some people like it. I don't, I don't like doing my accounts, but if I actually changed my way, I look at it because I said, I said, it's just boring. I said, I do it because I know what it gets me. I said, but I'm only into it when I'm really in a good relationship and talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. And we all know every relationship starts with hello. Every client's come from hello. And she said, just change it that, you know, like, maybe it's just that you could serve somebody and help somebody today with some of it, you know, and that's an extra five people you do that with, you never know. And I think that's the thing is what I love is that don't shut things down. Just let relationships build in business and focus on that, especially if you're struggling, it's that get energy just won't help you. So I thought that was relevant to share about us because you can see that, that where things can evolve and it's important. I guess, well, first of all, before I shut down that, is what, what's your perspective on what I shared there? Um, I couldn't agree more. I literally had a conversation with someone this morning who, it was a, a virtual coffee. We were going to have an in-person coffee, but there was a train strike today. So I was like, if I get into London, I may not get out. Okay. So we've done a virtual. We're going to meet up um, in a couple of weeks just to just to chat. She's actually something, something someone who is leaving a big corporate company at some point, should we say in the future, and she just wants to speak to me about what does what does entrepreneurship look like? And also she works in change space. So almost yeah. what does change look like outside? And um, I, put, I, I said, yeah, of course, let's have a chat. Just um, she'd been we'd been connected by a mutual friend. Mm. So I said, yeah, he said, actually, he's always the one you want to speak to all this. And I must admit, at the beginning of the course, I, I wonder if she'd want to do my change program. Is this something that would really interest her? And I, so I thought about that. But actually we had a brilliant conversation and I thought, hmm, okay, let's just see where this goes. And I hate, I hate selling. I'm going to be honest. I hate sales. I would much rather just chat to someone and say, listen, you know, let's, let's talk. Let's see where our mutual overlaps are and all that. And actually talking to her, she is, um, she's in change, but she is a deep con specialist. So she does all the communications and what she does is mates, let's say makes communication sexy but she makes it interesting and, and fun so people going through change are actually oh I'm not just getting the email or I'm not just getting you know the, the notice board um sheet of paper but actually the interaction so she's brilliant in comms so we were talking and stuff and um I helped her a little bit because I she was talking about how she could structure how she goes into the market as a, a freelancer or a you know consultant or contractor on her own. And we talked about actually what she wants to do and how she can hit different areas of the market. Mm. And in return, she said to me, Listen, if you on your program, if you want any help with the comm side, and I said to her, actually, I do, because I want to bring in different voices into my program. So mm. we're not just hearing about what Zoe thinks about change management, but we're hearing from different experts. And so suddenly, even though you know, the first idea might have been, oh, would she come on and do my programme? We got a much richer conversation and we've now got yeah. this kind of mutual relationship where it's like, actually, let's let's support each other mm. um, moving forward. And that will continue. And who knows what it looks like in, you know, a year or two. Mm. Very similar to how you and I started. Yeah. Um, and even before we went live, I was saying to you, now, what are you doing in the future? What can I maybe jump on in the future? Because it's knowing that, and I think with momentum, we even said it wasn't right for me at the time, mm. but... And I, I think I, I sent you an email message saying, by the way, now, not right for me at the time, but I'm watching you. <laughs> I'm following you. And I thought, God, Zoe, that sounds so stalkerish. But I was like, not right for me, but I like yeah. you. I like what you're doing. I'm watching you. Maybe later we'll do something. So yeah. for me, that's the, what the conversation should be about, that longevity. Yeah, not, not almost that 
not that one scares you of, oh my God, how many people can I fill on my course? I'm really scared because your energy shows, I think. Yeah, it, it really does. And and this is where I love the fact of my background corporate of leading people. I feel sometimes I downplay that. Like it's, I think I downplay it because the experience of leaving my jump and leap of faith wasn't done how I would have wanted it. I, you know, it was one of those where I made decisions like I just couldn't stay. The values weren't fitting and everything. There was loads of stuff with directors that just wasn't nice. Um, But I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I think that if you, oh, I was lost my train of thought. We were saying there about, um, what's my train of thought there? Long relationships, rich conversations, jump out of corporate. I've lost it, but I'm going to stick with that <laughs> because this is what happens in my brain because I think really super fast. <laughs> um, but we just going back to the points you shared around, just build the relationship with people. Um, that's it. The leadership part is that I downplay that quite a lot. Um, and I think that when you come into your own business, there's so much pressure on you of things to do, things to learn, all that. And it's like, but if you just can focus on how you are as a person as well, mm. empathy, qualities, and that was the difference between me as management leader. Like I was a manager at one point, and then leaving when I ran big teams of people at 400 at a time, that's not an easy gig. And it's especially when you work in London as well. So, it's challenging. I think that that's where I've had a lot of skills that I can use and transfer now, which is really helping me in the stuff like these conversations, the communities I run and stuff in terms of having to lead by example, having to set the tone, having to have strong boundaries, having to say, actually, yeah, I, I heard that. I understand. No. And, and, the, and people hated that sometimes in corporate, but the way you would do it in that way, opposed to just, uh, no, it's not happening. And, and actually, again, people understanding the why, the because, makes a real difference and those those skills I would never even though I stayed in corporate too long and I do believe I did um I would never take that away that experience because I learned so much to make me who I am now and I guess that's kind of shared a little bit about my leap how hard was that leap because you earlier said it but it felt it felt very easy like I I don't think it was which leap which leap well (laughs) that's big right Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I joined, so I come from a military family. My granddad was in the military, my dad military, my brother's military. I'm married to someone in the military. So my my family is military. Wow. My mum isn't. That is pretty much it. Um, so I, when I was at university, I was, um, I was a little bit of a partier. Let's just say that. And I didn't really think about after uni. I, I thought of stuff. I mean, I wasn't going to go to uni. I wanted to go to Marks and Spencer's and be a buyer. So I wanted to do their, yeah, like, yeah. their scheme. And mum and dad were like, no, because that generation, you go to university, you get, you know, get a career. And it got to like my third year. And I had to start thinking about what I wanted to do. And I thought, oh, I might go back, I might go to Marks and do their graduate scheme. And I, oh God, this show my age, I graduated in 2002. And it was impossible to get on, to, just to get a job. It was, it was just one of those things. It was hard. You couldn't get on graduate schemes. Um, my degree was in psychology. Um, so it wasn't like something that really went into Marks and Spencer's behind graduate scheme. Um, so it wasn't in design or anything like that. So it was like, okay, what, what do I do? And my dad said, what about the military? I was like, no, ah, okay, I'll give it a go. Went to the military. So I joined the military at 23, did a bit of work in, um, work and then I went in and I left at 39 and 10 months. So I did most of my twenties and thirties in the military. Mm. And it, for me, they are such fundamental years 
where you figure out who you are and you figure out what you like to do, what you don't like to do. And I think where you cement your values as well. But of course, my values were the military values. Mm. So the military have a really strong set of values, very, very hierarchical, very disciplined. And you know what? That was fine in my 20s because I was learning. It was a lot of fun. I did loads of travel, got to go to New Zealand, got to go all sorts of places. And then I came into my 30s, I think around 32, 33. And I was like, oh, hmm. I'm starting to really push a little bit the boundaries. Um, And I must admit, by the time I left, I was ready to. Mm. Um, I... My value, similar to when you left corporate, my values and the militaries didn't align. Mm. And I was, I'd figured that out. Um, I'd worked with some people who were quite toxic, if I'm honest, um, yeah. quite sick towards the end of my career in the military. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, had to be signed off on medication, all sorts. And I just realized that environment for me didn't work. It was what, what they say, square peg round hole. That was me in the military. So that jump was easy to it was an easy decision to make because I was re- I was sick and if I'd stayed in, I would be even sicker. Yeah. But it was really hard to make because that was my whole identity for two decades. Mm. So it was kind of, it's that easy and hard. Now I look back on it, I'm really pleased that I did it. But I can also see some struggles I've had since because of things that have happened and that kind of industry that I was in. Things like things like yeah. not believing in yourself, that kind of you come out into the civilian world and you. I know exactly what I'm doing in the military. You know, yeah. I used to do some really, really, so say really responsible jobs. Let's go with that. Um, I used to work in air defense. So really good jobs that I knew what I was doing. And I came into civilian street, civilian street, civilian world at 40 and everyone around me knew what they were doing. And I was like, oh, and I went into consulting straight in and all these people had been on the graduate schemes and they, you know, they had the most incredible PowerPoint skills, let's just say. I came in and I was like, no, (laughs) no idea what I'm doing. And it was expected that at that age I'd know. So it was a real, it was very jarring. It's, um, it's so interesting how similar, and I didn't, I didn't know all of that. It's so interesting to see how similar we are. Lots of it's very mirrored in that I actually strangely as well did a couple of, I think I did like four weeks in buying in Sainsbury's because I wanted to see if I wanted to do the um, scheme and such. And then I was like, no, this is not for me. I'm a, I was a a retail girl and I can walk into stores now, even with Sainsbury's and I just see things and know what's right and wrong. And I could just get results. So you need to do this, this and this. That's why I do strategy. And towards the end, I loved it for years. I joined when I was 16 and I got 30. I got to just I got to be a store manager before 30 and and then that's when it kind of was starting to not work for me and like you say it was a values bit and and everything was a fight you know I was the only we talk about I remember the year I left I was the only this was 2022 the only female around the table as such out of 20 like 19 men and 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 my voice didn't want to be heard and I was like why is this such a battle when they should be like, and I don't condone anybody just getting things because they're female or because of LGBT, anything. You shouldn't, like, it should always be the right person for that job, always with things. And, and recognizing there are other voices in the room that could add. Yeah. We should always be doing that. And, but that's what annoyed me in the business is that they, they could say things they are and they, but they never aligned to that. And I, I said once in a meeting and it was awkward, but I said, like, it's one of the so guys, he was a, middle-aged white man and he had a view on you know females coming through and things like that and I said you're the problem 
I said, that's exactly the problem that I've got right now. I said, because I don't want to progress anymore, to be honest. I said, and yes, my boss knows it. I said, because I don't see myself having the balance and the expectation of me is going to be so high. The higher you go, the lesser values are aligned in this business. For one thing is what I see. Two, I don't particularly think, I, I absolutely saw what you see, like the toxicity around the females in particular as directors was personal. It was volatile air environments it was horrible and I was and I didn't get through things but I got the results like beyond results I'd had I got signed off by three area managers it was one zoom call teams call whatever that completely took away like I'm not quite sure she's what we want yet and I was like and I felt yeah. like saying well why didn't you bother to come in and actually see me and meet me opposed you know all that silly stuff and I think that that's what I noticed that even you can there's stuff now I mean I went through instant private therapy because I had to go I didn't go on meds actually but I was drinking drinking a lot I was drinking a bottle every night plus and and that's when my parents helped me and I went straight into private therapy and everything and had time off which is one that's not how I wanted to leave Mm. I think a little bit like almost similar in some ways for me was I I got myself into a place where it was like, it's a non-negotiable now. Like I'm not stay, I can't stay. And actually I'm not happy. And I've got every, I've got money. I'm, I've got mortgage and everything, but I'm really unhappy. And this, this isn't what I want. I'd rather go and, I don't know, like I, there's no pride with me of any jobs. I'd rather just do something that's very basic though. I'd have to mentally stimulate my mind because I'm that person, but I would do whatever to make ends meet if I'm that driven and focused. But it's really sad um, and I, I found that leap really hard for quite a while and even now like, I kind of I don't have anything to do with the business I don't ever want to talk about it and I would like lived and breathed it but mm. it's um yeah I, I think I did stay too long for sure two years and part of that was a bit of COVID etc but and that's life um, and I don't yeah. think we can always say stuff like oh, we shouldn't have regrets it's like no like sometimes we can regret stuff and sometimes we do make bloody wrong decisions and that's life but it's how we then deal with that. Um, but I think that the part around a leap is often on people's minds that it's it's a tough thing. And I think sometimes there's some comfort in saying it is tough. Yeah, it is. Mm. It will be tough. But actually there's ways of doing it and approaching it. And, and there's no perfect cookie cutter for this or no one's done it amazingly. Just work through your way and have support when you do it. I think that was a big thing for me. Um, and also people that get it, like you have military. My dad was in, his whole career was corporate retail, leadership in Sainsbury's. And he did very, very well. And probably some of that was aspirational for me. He's like, I wanted to get to that level. And and then when it wasn't the same business and he was like, it's not the same. It's just not the same now. And it's not. My and dad used to say that to me. My dad said it to me, yeah. even when I was going through training. So in that first year I was going through training, we were actually on the same station. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Well, I used to have to walk past him or and salute him, which was always, we always had a g- bit of a giggle, but I was a cadet. He was, you know, I think a squadroneer at the time. And even when I come home at weekends and talk to him, I tell him stuff and he'd be like, what? That's, that, that's not right. That can't be yeah. happening. I'm like, and then he's just like, oh, well, like that in my day. I'm like, no, but he was in 39 years. You know, he was yeah. a pilot as well. So they live a slight, let's say pilots live a slightly different existence in the military to us mere mortals. But it was very much, what do you mean that? I said, well, things change really fast. So the Air mm. Force you're in, it's not the Air Force I'm in. The Air Force now isn't what it was like when I was in, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like to see, I, I've really gone to seeing life as chapters. So you've got your book mm. and it's different chapters. I had a military chapter. I had a corporate chapter and now I've got my next chapter, which I'm in. So, and that's how I think it's just a different page. So 
there'll be things that I wish I'd done differently, um, but I've learned a lot from them. And it's allowed me to get to that next chapter because I've gone through it. That's interesting because that's a real mindset shift that you have to have. And you have to be open and vulnerable to that because that's a challenge in itself. Because Mm -hmm. like we're both sitting here and there's not many people I find in get 30s to 40s and say they work just for one business and then themselves and leave because they just don't like and we know that of younger generations now and again no right or wrong it's how the world is now it's just different and but I don't meet many people my age that have said and I get asked when we went to that same event the other week the lady said to me opposite she was like well how old are you and I was like I'm 36 because I said I've been somewhere for nearly 20 years she was like why should you start (laughs) I get that a lot what do you mean you're in 60 years I'm like well I'm 42 (laughs) and do the weirdest thing I think god I could have like a 22 year old child now yeah that bit freaks me out a little bit but hey you know but yeah so but yeah I think if you're sitting and listening to this and it's it's resonating or you're thinking about like the leap of faith and stuff get people around you know that you know there's people that have done it it is tough at times but it's not impossible either you know I know some people that like you shared about the identity thing some of my friends who have been there have had really challenging times like severe challenging more than mine was you know and like mm-hmm. a longer period of time and I think you talk about belief I I call what I always say I've got self-deluded belief a little bit like I I, I just my dad said and his strength of character is the strongest person I've ever met, my dad. But he says to me that I've never met someone believe like you. I literally, And it's not an arrogance in that, but I just have belief. I'm like, why not me? And just go for it. Hmm. And it's, yeah. it is bizarre. I find that. And I also find sometimes my natural confidence is just, you know, I was never confident at school, but I am naturally very confident to things. So I'm have, I have to be more aware of that now, because I think, especially when I was a leader, I noticed a set of females that I'd say, well, just go do it. I believe in you go on and like that didn't actually help saying that so I get quite annoyed when I see stuff on socials and people are yeah you just got to be naturally you got to be confident you got to do this I'm like that that's not actually that doesn't make you confident (laughs) saying you've got to be confident and I saw it once and I challenged it back and it's like well I said no like what what does actually mean to somebody to say that because that's exactly what I went through is telling one of my team Emma at the time I was like Emma I believe in you and I was like I went back to her the next day and I was like that's really bad advice, Emma. I was like, look, we need to work together on this. I said, and I recognise that. But um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see our paths as well. One thing that's um, on my mind, and I, I don't have an answer for it. I'm just aware of it, that when um, I've spoken to people like yourself that share about they did leadership training, I wonder where the difference comes in in... I led people and was trained from that perspective. And I sometimes think to myself, but is it, I don't know it's, if it's wrong or not. This is why I don't have an answer for it. But my mind sometimes is a bit like, who are you to do leadership training people and say you know it all about leadership stuff and then they evolve into more of that when you haven't been a leader? I guess it's walk the walk stuff. But then I'm thinking like, as you're talking about it, but when you've got the knowledge and experience and you do, you do know it inside out to a degree, like, can you see where I'm coming from with that? What's what's the difference from your perspective in that? So between almost the experience versus the qualifications well, guess, we're going on? Yeah, yeah, almost. It's like, I guess it's like that. It's, it's like almost like saying having a degree, but versus work experience with that. You know, if you haven't ever been a leader, is it right then that you can naturally just run a business 
without that experience and almost empathy. I guess where that probably comes from a bit more is me because I'm really big on empathy as much as I can do. Does that make sense? And and this is the, this is a huge thing for me. I always think you've got the theory and then the experience. So practical. Yeah. And even like I said, with the change management program I, I've created, it's got both because you can't have one without the other. Yeah. So let me think, um, let me use, I'll use myself as an example, then I'll explain how we used to do it in the military. Mm. That might help a little bit. So for me personally, I I was a, a leader in the military for a, a different, different groups, um, big groups, small teams, big teams. Um, teams that were actually across the globe when I was um, head of HR I had 20 in my team immediately on my floor plate and then another 20 dispersed so loads of different types of leadership as well so what I've done with my this is just the way I like to do it personally is as I've got the experience say in leadership as I've got the experience I've always done the qualifications that match it that sort of sit with it so I went and did my master's in leadership studies through Cranfield University so I got all the theory and the the models and it was quite nice because some of the stuff I was doing and I was going, oh, that's what that that makes sense. Now I've done a bit of it. I get it. Whether it's right to do one before the other. I mean, that's like, you know, chicken and egg a little bit, isn't it? But I think you always need both. I don't personally think you can teach something. There's a there's a phase one of my mentors use is um, well, like when you're creating courses and stuff, do it from knowing rather than knowledge. So doing yeah. it from knowing because you've done it yourself rather than knowledge, you've read it in a book and now you're teaching someone else. Yeah. So it's that do it from experience. You may have also theory behind it. In the military, slightly different because a lot of the cadets that come through will go straight into leadership positions. So literally you're out, oh, wow. bang. Actually, people like the engineers, because they usually have big teams, air defense, the area I was in, um, straight into looking after teams of junior teams. So the training was slightly different in that it was theory and also practical. So um, they may have come, some of them might have come straight out of university. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't lead, be in leadership positions before that stage, but some of them would just be done academics, come out of university. And so in that, however long we had with them, six, eight months, it would be, here's the theory behind leadership. And now let's go and put you in practical situations so you can try it out and you can test things and you can learn from failure and you can get all that really. The one thing the military does really well is the feedback loops in their training. So we do feedback loops, you hot feedback, cold debrief, hot debriefs, cold debriefs, all of that. So at least when they come out and they go into that environment when they're a leader, they're like, ah, I've tried a few things. I've learned the theory. I've tried a few things. But also when they come out, they've got lots of support around them. So they've got those that have been in that area for a long time, different ranks as well. So they get it from different perspectives. So, yeah, for me, it's that very much that balance between having that knowledge from learning theory and having that expertise from having done it yourself. And I think you can do it. Let me use coaching as an example. So I'm going, I'm going off on now. Let me use coaching. So. I um, I think people can have coaching conversations. I'm talking about pure coaching, pure coaching yeah. conversations yeah. without accreditation, and they can have those conversations. Yeah. However, when they get the accreditation and they learn those different skill sets and the different theory, they become so much better at it. Mm. So mm. I think they work together. And I say that from having done my level seven accreditation. And even though I'd been coaching on on a different accreditation for a long time, when I upskilled to that level seven, I was like, oh, that's a really good technique. And I can just slip this in. And, and it gave me so much more 
Um, so we need more tools in my toolbox. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I guess it it's then the way you position it and present it like that in the articulation. And that's where the people want to know the why, and that's how you engage people, isn't it, in the understanding and seeking to understand. So. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one. And I think that I guess if I'm stuck with someone and all that going forward, for me, it's the understanding and and to ask those deeper questions more of what does that tell me what that looks like to you and your interpretation just as we've done there. And then having the ability to share that opposed to somebody just telling somebody you need to do this, you need to do that, but you haven't been there, done that. So as much as you know, there's a different sympathy and empathy that comes into play when you've experienced the doing of it and like we know like any of it that, that we can do all of the skills we know but until you physically do something and that's my thing that it's just like you used to say that oh it's easy doing leadership and I used to say to some people like go and do that in London stores like go and do it in people, <laughs> yeah. do it in people that are challenging mm-hmm. and it's a tough gig and and until they experience it and, and that's why I ended up staying in London for so long and that's why I struggled in Surrey because it was just so slow paced and I'm really driven and next thing. And, and that was um, for lots of people that was tough. They just, and they didn't want to do it. And that's okay. People don't want to, but many just couldn't keep up with that. So then the people who were good at it just end up having to stay um, because it was a hard gig. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. And I appreciate the fact that you've taken that so well as well, because I understand for some people they could get quite defensive on that, but it's, it is one to talk through because sometimes we can see lots out there and I just think to people, well, I guess as well, it's a personal thing. And this is where, again, the values come in for me and saying how you operate, even in a small business, just you mm-hmm. is so important mm-hmm. in terms of your values and how you act and behave in business. Because um, for me, this, this is really important that you live and breathe that in your business. And you say to people what you're great at and you say, look, that's not my gig as well. And you're transparent. And I think that people respect that. I know I'm very big on, I'm, I don't like our education system, which will be a whole nother topic. But <laughs> oh, we spent hours on that one. <laughs> like we should be talking about relationships and stuff <laughs> that actually matters in school and stuff like leadership opposed to how, you know, yeah, plugs are useful, but um, you know, all the stuff I learned about Pythagoras, I've never used in my life. And then we wonder why we're all in therapy in our thirties. I so, wish I'd been taught about finance, you know, things like finance. That's what I mean, right? Oh uh, God. So yeah. I do believe massively in education and look, I'd love to put kids through um, private education because I just genuinely would. And that's, that's what I think, but I think um, we do need to realise that it is important as much as we don't need grades. And you see that recently in August of, you know, I've made it and I didn't get any grades at school. My dad didn't have any grades at school. He left at 16. He was a little git. And he's done, he was incredibly <laughs> well for the life he's wanted and created. But, you know, education is good and you do need to have that. And that's where, for me, you know, I qualified as a coach because I, I know I've wanted to qualify someone that's very established and very credible because it meant a lot to me. It's important that I stand stand by that. I think that like we're going to say these things, we live and breathe them. And I think that that's where, you know, don't become the little junkie that does everything, but you've got to practice what you preach and you've got to, you can talk the talk, and, but you've got to walk the walk with it because it's really important. And I think that's important for the fact that this world, as you said, is absolutely just changing and zapping at ridiculous rate compared to what it used to be and I think that will continue to be the way you you've got to be on your game and I think that those 
skills in they help you to keep sustainable yeah yeah completely agree. be a big ingredient for whether businesses make it in the future because you know at some point let's be honest it's a tough gig running a business it's not easy I think some people can make it look easy I'm sometimes aware I think sometimes I can make some things look easy and I think it looks like all my ducks are in a row and I've got my issues all together and it's like I don't feel that way. <laughs> For me, it depends which day of the week it is, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's, but it is that I've had so many people say to me, oh my goodness, you look like you're smashing it. And yeah, I get it. I love your Instagram. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay, <laughs> thanks. As I'm like the swan analogy of everything looks graceful and I'm like going as fast as possible underneath. It's oh, just um, so funny um, recently that, yeah. Oh, well, you, yeah, it, oh, it's just this it's weird isn't it it's just my friend the other week I, I can't say how many times I've said it the last few weeks it's just been hilarious she's seen, she's sending me videos of ducks now you called a duck um, didn't you I saw yeah, that she's it's so funny she was like because I, I just ring her for a rant and then she's like you know this I'm like yeah I know and she's yeah. one of those great soundboards that everybody needs and um yeah I was having a walk and I was like oh, this and this and this and this and this and she's like you're like a duck and I was like right and she was like, yeah, you know, like those, those little legs are going. And she's an intuitive manifestation coach. So she she, she knows me inside out. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I think I'm a swan. <laughs> and then I'm a more graceful. Thank you. Um, it was so funny. So now it's just a oh, complete banter and everything that comes up with a swan. I'm like, that's me. So you're but, pretty um, much saying if anyone anyone listening would like to send you memes about ducks and swans, send them to Natalie Potts, please. <laughs> Not to me. So funny. But... <laughs> It is that, isn't it? Like, if I looked at someone, I think I must be swimming around like a swim for everybody. I don't feel it. I do feel a duck. That's the irony. <laughs> also, do you know what? I, I, I always say to people, it's like, right, okay, let me, I'm going to have a lot of humility here and I'm going to tell you a few things because I don't want people to think everything's fine, like everything's yeah. perfect because yeah. it suddenly becomes unachievable. Oh, what she's doing is unachievable. It's like, no, it's really not. Look, I mean, I'm not going to show you my study, but let's just say my study is full of paper and yeah. I was like oh it must and people would not assume that like, oh clean desk you know everything yeah. it's like no no I, I write on paper with a pencil because that's how, what works for me but it sure. also means I have a messy desk and it, it's just it's like thinking you need to be perfect isn't it yeah. and I know you talked a bit about your in your stories today about actually being on calls and not having makeup on or not having this it's like yeah, I mean, I'm, my hair's full of dry shampoo right now. It may look <laughs> like it's, you know, washed and all thing, but it's 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 got a lot of body in it because it's full of dry shampoo because I haven't had a chance to wash it yet. But it's that realizing that things aren't perfect and we are all human beings trying to do our best. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's where the best connections come from, isn't it? When you actually open yeah. up and show that vulnerability. Yeah, and look, and I said it last night. I had a friend. Um, that I've not stayed in touch with enough, bless her, and uh, she's going through a tough time. And, and I've got a few friends sometimes where that's life, you know, for them, and it's tough. Um, and it was there, uh, she was like, Have you got some time today? And I was like, Yeah, of course I have. And I was like, I'll speak to you later. And then um, it just threw me a bit in it, like in a, in a good way as well. That I was like, Christ, I, I, haven't, I haven't spoken to her in a few months. That's on me as well. And that's because I just get so work focused. And I've not put it as a priority. And then I was like, and then you just have a bit of reality check. Like, life is tough for people. And no one has it in order. And I said that, you know, and it's, yes, I've turned my life around compared to where I was with retail and what they knew of me before and stuff. But it doesn't mean that's been easy 
And I think that's the sometimes the thing is because it's easy to judge people that like myself, that I don't have kids and things like that and precious mm-hmm. and people, it's easy. So, yeah, but it doesn't mean I don't have things too, just because, and I sometimes say, precious. oh, I don't have kids. So yeah, it's that I, you know, can't even think what you're going through. And I'm like, oh no, because I still have things. Well, you know, it's still challenging different ways. Um, it's just different. And I think that that's where, like you just said, we're very, very hard on ourselves naturally. And the reality is that, most of us are winging it a lot of the time and and that's anyone and I did a post in it a while ago not too long ago when I was at the gym I was in the evening there and I was looking around and like I have a very much an outlook that if people want to get fit then then you can you got to you can all start somewhere and stuff and people say it's hard for me and I was like "Mm." but if you show up in the gym I'm like they're there like you've shown up that's my bit sometimes the hardest bit yeah and I was looking around and I said to myself I was like I don't have imposter syndrome. I don't look around a gym and go, oh, look, you know, anything like that. But I've, I haven't massively because I've always had a trainer. I was very conscious that when I started out that I wanted to help on it and wanted, never wanted to help my body and stuff. But um, I just had a moment where I was like, I could be standing next to an accountant or the CEO of bloody Coca-Cola or something, whatever, right? And probably more in david lloyd this would have happened versus pure gym now but (laughs) you get what i mean you could be standing they could be so unhappy with their life the fact they work all the hours under the sun they never see their family they could have all the money in the world and not get any time to spend it they could be really unfit and actually hate looking at their body in the mirror and think they look horrible feel horrible and i i just thought to myself so we put people on pedestals because of money and success but the reality is they could be the most unhappy person. And I know lots of successful people, very, very unhappy. So that's where I'm always like, I've shown it with a client today, actually. I said, I'm very driven. I can be obsessed with my business. I said, but I am also keen on, I know till now, like I said to you earlier, that now on Christmas, I'm going to be putting in a lot of hours on work because as much as people say that you can't associate time and hard work, like I value hard work too. And, and that's, that's personal to me. I don't have to change that for other people that say you shouldn't think that. I know I shouldn't think that, but I do. And and I enjoy work. I enjoy working hard. And I was just thinking about that. Um, it's going to be a tough few months and, that, and that's okay. You, you If you're going to have to do that, do it. Don't get sucked into what everyone else is doing. But I won't do that at the point that I know I'll do five months of that because that will really move the needle in my business but I know that like in September I'll go for a holiday. So I would rather take, even though I work hard and it's like, I'd rather still take five years to build something incredible that I want versus free and kill myself. I know it's going to be challenging and I'm going to sacrifice bits, but I'm not going to sacrifice to the detriment of, like I said, like yesterday I could have said, I haven't got time to talk to you. And I knew I needed to talk to my friends. Like, and I trust myself in that. And I think as well, we have to trust ourselves more in business than we do and listen to our gut on things. And I don't think we slow down enough to speed up on that. And I think that that's where, again, it links back to the values of, I do have to have that trip point of, nah, remember, you do this for more time with your family. You do this for a, a future with, you know, kids and stuff like that and Tom and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a very thin line with that. And I think there isn't a right size or right answer or model. You've got to work out what you want. and And that's a big thing for people that most people actually and I'll say most like lots of people don't know what they want and you've got to give yourself that space and time and a bandwidth to say what do I want for my life really like genuinely what do I want 
you know what? It's really interesting you say that because something you just said, I really oh, I want to pick up on. You talked about putting people on a pedestal, that that bit, we don't, how we shouldn't do. I've literally got a post coming out on Monday about that. It's already scheduled in. It's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. About how <laughs> we put people on. It's the only one I've got scheduled. I'm literally, this is my content writing weekend. I was like, oh. And it's about, because I realised something I did when I came out of the military, I put people on pedestals. Yeah. Because they were so much further than me. The same age, but so much further. Forgetting, like I said, they've done 20 years in their industry. I've done 20, 16, 20 in my industry. Um, and I'm sure it would be the same if they came into the military at that point. But it's that really, and it took me a long time to break that mental, to sh- shift mentally and go, no. And I think my post says something along the lines of, um, put yourself on that pedestal. It's something like that. It's like, you yeah. put yourself why it's like you said about why can't it be me and your attitude is very much like, why not me for yeah. ages I was like oh could I do that oh am I good enough am I... and then I just had a bit of a word of myself I literally yeah. shit because I do a lot of work with growth mindset and I, I do mm. a lot of uh, workshops on it and I thought hang on a minute practice what you preach here yeah. Zoe and I had to really think so I just thought hang on let me let me shift that but it it can be really hard and talking about the sort of um success as well and figuring out what you want your own values this is something I had another shift I had actually when I left um let's say it was beginning of last year because I was at EY for a while and I was um in leadership learning and change I was a manager at EY and I decided to leave my mum thought I'd lost my mind she was like oh my goodness stable job really good company what are you doing um especially when I said I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left that was thought I almost gave her a heart attack bless her but my military friends, a lot of my military friends, were like you're at EY, you know, you've made it. It's the pinnacle. It's the big four, yeah. one of the big four. And I didn't have a wobble leaving EY, and the reason being is because I really reassessed what success means to me. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't what societal expectations were, even though yeah. they were a lot of pressures of, oh my god, you're yeah. at EY. I was like, brilliant, but it doesn't suit me. It what what I want for my own life, especially after having spent so long in the military. Now I'm kind of out and I can I can wear nail varnish. I can put make you know, I can do all this stuff yeah. that I couldn't, I can not have my hair in a band, all that stuff. I was like, what else can I do? What else do I want to do? And EY, as, as lovely as my time there was, and I learned loads, it didn't fit what I wanted, what success looked like to me. Success for me is a bit more freedom mm. and that control over my own life a bit more and control of who I work with, what I do, um, that flexibility in the week. And I just didn't get that from working at any corporate. It could have been EY, it could have been any of them, but isn't it interesting? We just have to shift that mindset to yeah. ignore society ex- societal expectations a bit and really focus on what we want. But it is, like you said, doing that deep work about my values, my 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 core purpose in life. Yeah. And it, look, I have to say, like, some sneak stuff, that it starts with you, like the awareness part. It starts with your why. And you've yeah. got to have that to bring the change. Then you decide... that you want something different and you take action and that brings a change and you've really got to go through that process and I'm not sitting here saying any of that is easy but I do think in generations you'll see a shift in terms of like we were saying earlier the fact you won't see like the longevity of staying in one company that that was that actually didn't do many favors at the end and it certainly didn't when I went for senior roles with competitors a couple of years before it was like you don't like change and I was like okay (laughs) and I was like well I've not stayed you know linear my success was linear in one way but I said did lots of different roles within the business so I said okay but you know that's the outlook and I think I work with clients now of kind of mid 30 40s and it's like talking to a newbie in business and I'm like like you said the pedestal part and I'm like 
what? I was like, you are the expert in something. Like, you've got years of ex- experience and knowledge. I'm like, why are you yeah. like a newbie on this? Like, sometimes they need a bit of a pep talk. And they're like, oh, I know now. It's like, no. And My husband does it. He goes, Zoe, back yourself. Yeah. I'm back. You back. Yeah. I really, I think we downplay ourselves. And I think we have to back ourselves more. I always say it's easier to come down a pig or two than raise your game. And yeah. it, even if that's a little tad of arrogance, which it often never is, but even if it is, you know, have high standards and put yourself up there and just bring it down a bit and but go for it because it's like when we used to do drama, they used to say that what you think is this, there's like 10 times it and it's not going to be close to what it needs to be. And I remember that with my boss once, he used to say like, whatever you guys feel like you're doing at the minute, you need to 10 times it because it's not enough. And we were like, wow. And he was like, and then it's not going to be enough. And there's, a, and there's a part of that that we need to do that in ourselves with what we can actually give and, and do and we only need to think something like client wise like 10 percent more knowledge or experience and than our ideal client has anyway so we put a lot of pressures on ourselves with things and um yeah i think this is where it's the journey part and you've got to enjoy that process when you're building your own business the same as twice we'll clock around fitness and then you know trust the process and if you can work on yourself which is kind of the part i was getting to with the fitness analogy a while ago about you know, I can look at somebody who's very successful and I think, but I've done the work on me. I've transformed mm-hmm. my life in understanding how my body works, how my mind works. They're really unhappy because they've never done that part. They don't know who they are and what they stand for. And yeah. that I think is, that's the stuff I think is education that we should be talking about more, et cetera. That's the stuff that's really going to change the world and make a big impact. You're, they're your, for me, that's that's your, that's what need, moves the needle in your self-development, yeah. like your personal development and actually that, they're your foundations because otherwise you will flip between different things, not sure what you want to do, different careers, different, and it will never feel right. I no. call it the fine, fine. I always say fine, but not fine. Everything's fine. You know, I'm getting paid, but it's not fine because you've got that n- real niggle of something's not right. And it's usually because something's not aligned to your values. But if you haven't done that work on your values and what you want in that bigger picture of life, then you will not find the answer outside in a job right. because it, it comes from you first. And it's interesting what you shared about freedom a minute ago. And part of mine was that I wanted the freedom to do what I want when I want. And I'm not going to lie, actually, even in retail, because I was the leader, I, I pretty much did my own schedule what I wanted anyway. But I still wanted the, I didn't, I didn't have a voice. And I guess I felt shut down on things and that I didn't like. But I'm doing a talk next month um, speaking and it is around the risk of not taking a risk that's what it's called and this idea of you know you've got to take the leap and you're only here once and a bit like I think one of our biggest regrets ironically um I did a post this morning was around like you were sharing there that um we we live up to others expectations of what they expect of us versus our own we conform to so much and that's often the biggest regret in life there's a lady Bonnie Ware if you're interested she talks about this oh I've seen yeah the the, um, regrets of the dying yeah and that's yeah. number one one so it's um it's interesting but also going back to linking that to the part of what what you know people not knowing what they want I spoke to someone recently and they just literally sat opposite me and was like I just should actually it was interesting they challenged me and said am I because I they'd won a position on my um one of my courses which I stuck to I'm not sure I'd do it again but it's it's a learning and then she said am I your client and I was like no <laughs> I was like, not really. Um, I said, I like these as a in disc dominant, you know, driver. 
results driven I said and she was like that's not me and I was like no and I said but we had a good relationship and I liked I valued the honesty and I said no and I said and that's helped me realize that in now the conversations I have with people that that's how I get the best out of myself and you in this experience and that's how we'll work well together as a dynamic piece and that's important that both do because we're both growing and learning um so but they said like I, I don't know what I want and I was like, but that's another thing. I like to work with people that know what they want. And that hit me is that when somebody comes on a sales call now, I'm going to be that open and honest. And, and, that's, and that's why I've got, you know, clients as well as because I've said how much you earn and stuff like that. And they're like, and then I said, why me? I said, because you made me uncomfortable. And I was like, good. And they said, well, what was it though? They said, because you asked me what I earn. And that's uncomfortable because I'm not where I want to be. And I said, but that's what we're going to do. So that's okay. I've got that in my bag anyway. I can talk over you. But again, we don't ask ourselves the tough questions and we don't be honest with ourselves and we're not aware of those things. And and I can't work with people to, to some degree. I can work on some areas of purpose, but there's elements that I would probably refer them to people I know who are very good with that side of things and that have maybe more patience even. But um, I, I like people to work with people who know what they want in life. Well, it's at different it's at stages, isn't it? It's stages. Yeah. First, you've got to figure out what you want, your purpose and what you want to do. Then you go and work with that and she drives you forward and yeah. you know, helps you. Yeah. And funny enough, I was just reflecting on when you and I first spoke. We got on that first sales, sales call, we'll call it sales call. And um, I came off that call thinking, I really like Nat, but I don't think we're right. I don't think this is right for me right now. Yeah. And I realised, I realised, I only just realised what it was. I realised a bit. I didn't quite know where I was yet. Yeah. I didn't know where I was. So some of the questions you're asking me, I was like, oh, I'm not sure <laughs> what the answer is. I want to give you an answer. And and I came off going, ah, I'm not ready yet to work with Matt. It was that. Yeah. It was that flip yeah. of not, oh, she's not right for me. It's like, I won't get the most value out of working with you at the minute yeah. because I'm not there yet. Yeah. And and it was one of those, oh, I'm a few months too early. Yeah. So it's, yeah. people go through those different stages, don't they? And that's what it is. And there isn't the right and wrong. And I think, again, like, often we want to have the answer now and then as well. And and I know for me, whenever I invest in somebody, I like to know, I do my due diligence and I like to know what's what. And, and often I'm looking six months to nine months ahead. Like, I'm just really speaking to someone at the moment. So I'm like, I love what you do. I'm not there yet, but I said, I'd, but I know that that's what I probably want because I like their style. I love one-to-one mentors, what I've realised now as well. I've done a mix of masterminds groups. I, I get a lot um, of fulfilment internally just from being one-to-one with people. Um, and maybe, do you know what? I've said it before on some things. Maybe that's a validation piece as well. I like to do well at stuff that I do. and And I get that sense of validation probably more one-to-one and I don't sometimes I don't think that's you know people like you should validation I don't think that's a bad thing sometimes that we're honest on things just say yeah like, I want that it's being aware it's being aware it's kind of almost not bad or good it's just you've yeah. got to have an awareness of what makes you tick because you want to do more of that it's like when, when we talk about like things like strength scope and some of those psychometrics that we build on strengths well yeah. what are your strengths what do you want to build on um what what do you because we're supposed to be enjoying life you know life is here we only get one one shot what can I build on more that's going to actually I'm going to enjoy doing and I guess if I really think about it the word that comes to mind with the whole of this to wrap this up as well is that it's communication and that's communication with ourselves and it's communication with others and and communication is often the biggest thing that left left was relevant to 
any conflict in business that we had. I said it was often <laughs> I was sitting in disciplinaries and stuff, and I remember sitting with my manager and I was like, I said, You're the problem today. <laughs> he was like, Why? <laughs> and I was like, Because you bloody communicate, did you? And he was like, No. And I was like, For goodness sake. I said, You're wasting my time sitting here doing this. And I was like, You just had to communicate, didn't you? Um, but we don't communicate, and Tom and I are massive on that in our relationship, and we don't get it right at all some of the time. <laughs> but we're very big on communication and what that looks like because we know that that's often where relationships fall down and, and that's all relationships. And if you can't communicate with your own self, yeah. it's, it's, there's no difference in that, right? Do you know what though? Neil and I have been um, married mm, 15 years on the 11th of September. So all, just about 15 years. We've been together for 17. And the um, we don't really argue, but when we do, it's because someone, usually me, usually me hasn't communicated properly. Yeah let it bottle up and bottle up and then suddenly we just we're having I say something that's just and I know it's something petty or I say something and he goes and he won't let it go whereas he's really relaxed but he just goes no Zoe that's one step too far and then we go and then it ends up with me probably having a cry and going I'm really sorry him like oh and then we talk and it's like oh yeah that's better yeah another thing just something just when you said about communication talking to someone this morning about it Oh, I, when I talk about change and change management, I will say leadership and communications for me are the two biggest things about change management. Yeah. We often say when there's change going on, it's communication with a small C because you just do it because you send emails out and that. But actually everything is communications yeah. in the different ways you do it, how how often you do it. If people hear what you think you're saying, mm. all, the, all the biases around things and everything, it's just, it's so big in relationships, corporate, mm. um, even when you're, you know, talking to your friends, it's it's huge. Yeah, and it's everything, and it's 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 how you act. It's every it's your body language. It's all of it. It's what you don't say as well with some stuff. And I'm always very conscious of that with people in terms of, and that's why I used to see in corporate. I used to always think I saw things differently, not in a cocky way, but I just I would just sense when something wasn't right with somebody. And I remember actually one key example of this was starting a new store as a manager, and I had a team that um probably weren't where they needed to be was my feedback if I was put it professionally uh, <laughs> I put it in other ways to my boss at the time <laughs> I was like are you having a laugh <laughs> um but I just remember one of the colleagues just there's something right and I, was, and I went and had a chat with them because I think they were late or something like that and I was like look come on pull it together side thing I was like, what's going on and he broke down I was like oh gosh and I went and sat down with him and um and I did a lot around mental health and I've done that with um shout crisis as well so I knew the way to have conversations with somebody about their mental health um and he said um some things that he he hadn't like even shared with his parents and stuff and it was very open and I could instantly build rapport like that quite quickly which would frighten a lot of people when people are vulnerable that soon but I went out and told the team and I was like well do you know he's got um uh oh gosh I can't remember the condition he had I said but do you know he's got that and they're like no I was like how long have you worked here and they was like oh about like a year six months nine months some of them and I was like like you guys should know that stuff though I said you should know that team. Said, get no. to know your team I said but yeah but I said that kind of stuff he's not being a dick like you think he is he's not late deliberately if you actually go and spend some time with him and talk and understand seek to understand then you'll find out that's that and what then ask them what do you need how can I help you and I said that's that level of 
strong emotional intelligence, which is again probably something we could learn in school. But that's that proper understanding, isn't it? That's that communication. It's the what's not being said as well. What's not what you don't you know read the room in a different way, and and that's again probably what I want to do more with my clients is when I know that there's you know they're not not replying to be a pain in the bum for me. They're not mm. waking up going I'm going to annoy Nat today, which is what I used to say in work. I was like, if you don't rock up and go, oh I'm going to be late just to annoy Nat. And I said, it's the same with clients. They're not doing it deliberately. So go and ask them, look, this is what we've agreed. This is that. Nip in the bud. Again, some people I see like throwing contracts around and legal stuff. And I'm like, just have you had a conversation with them? Have you said what's going on? <laughs> have you just on it? And that's why I love the directness of how I am in a one way in that I'm so transparent that you know what you get. And I'm just going to say, look, let's just be open and honest about it. Let's have a conversation like adults. And if people aren't, then you follow what you need to. Absolutely. But on the whole, I think we could lip, nip a lot in the bud just by being better communicators in business. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people scared. They're scared to do it because it's yeah. that, well, what if that person thinks poorly of me because I've I've stood up and had this conversation? It's like, yeah. so what if they do? You you yeah. need to have that conversation because yeah. otherwise it gets worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, look, it's incredible. I know we can talk for hours and hours and hours and we probably have to next time break it down in terms of this is what we're going to talk about and that's that. Um, <laughs> I knew it was a bad idea when you went, we've got no script. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, let's go now. Go do you want to see when you're not out. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> bless. But I love this stuff. This is where I like coming to my own and I love what I do with coaching and stuff like that. And that's like, you can't buy a passion like that. You just can't and you can't fake it. So yeah, I absolutely... Um, have loved this I've really valued your time it's been incredible how can people connect with you so I'm across I think LinkedIn um just my name Zoe Poulton LinkedIn Facebook Instagram um and yeah generally I have got a website let's just say my website is under construction at the minute um because I like like I was saying I've pivoted a little bit in what I want to do so creating my change management and focusing on change management um, and creating the program but just making sure all the tech behind it all the website and everything catches up so the best place is probably a LinkedIn Facebook or Instagram yeah look I know businesses that run without websites so happy days I'm tempted right now to be honest I'm tempted for those 404 pages that go you can't get in and instead of all the work that goes behind then redoing it it's like but... with some people I work with some clients who don't have any social media presence actually and some people around me of course it amplifies and leverages anything of course it does but I do know it's like you do know word of mouth still exists right <laughs> referrals are the most powerful you can um... talk to people about what you do and it's incredible. Yeah. We just put like people were putting stuff off recently. I can't put it out because I've done this. I've done that. I'm like, just get it out there. <laughs> just do it. You know what that was? Ex- do you know that was me? My website. Um, I just thought, oh, I can't start talking about this pro- this program and all this. And but I thought, well, I can because the website can yeah. just come later. Whereas before, another mindset <laughs> shift, I would have gone, no, everything needs to be perfect first before I push it out. But otherwise, you wait years and then yeah, you don't yeah. implement. So. No, no. Thank you so much. Thank you. Loved it. If you liked today's talk, go ahead and hit subscribe and make sure you commit to one thing when you walk away. I really think this is a gift we can all give ourselves. And if you'd like help in growing your business, hit the show notes and find the direct link to me on WhatsApp. Send me your question and I'll get straight back to you. Thank you for your time.